This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void or prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. A new head coach and boy genius, Mike McDaniel, the fastest cheetah to ever roam the football field, and an actual left tackle? Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. Before we jump into a fresh episode of Finsider Radio, Jake and Josh want you to please, please, please hit that subscribe button if you haven't yet. Subscribing to the show is the best way to know when Jake and Josh have something cooking in the kitchen iTunes, Spotify, it doesn't matter. Following helps others find the show, and we want to thank you for that. Now, let's talk some dolphins. Let me get two claps and a Ric Flair. What is going on? I hope everyone is having a wonderful, wonderful day. Welcome into Finsider Radio. This is the Jake and Josh show. I am Jake. That must mean the wooing is coming from my buddy, Josh. Josh, we got together last week and we buried the lead. We didn't even talk about it. I need to know about this. You got to watch Jalen Waddle. You got to watch Devonta Smith play softball. That seems like lead worthy to me. Yeah, shame on me for not bringing that up, but they were playing locally, um, Allentown, PA, Iron Pig Stadium. Devontae Smith put on a celebrity softball tournament. I saw Jalen Waddle was going to be there. I saw Ted Ginn was going to be there, so I reached out, tried to cover this thing. Ted Ginn didn't show up, but, dude, it was awesome. Michael Parsons struck out by Jalen Hurst, uh, struck him <laughs> out. Uh, you know, Jalen Waddle going yard. It was a good time, and you could just tell those guys were having the time of his life. No one got hurt, which is all that mattered. So awesome time. Glad I could do that. But, uh, yeah, shame on us for not talking about that sooner. How did it feel to be like out there in the world as a reporter? Did you have a little notebook with you? I did. I did. I, I even pulled my hair back too. So I looked like a real goober, you know, shirt tucked in. I didn't know how I was supposed to look. And I'm seeing these other guys like trucker hats on and stuff. And I'm like, you could have just came looking like house, but uh, Mustard yeah, it, on the it, shirt. Yeah. It felt legit being out there, you know, now that I have this verified check mark and I'm sitting in press boxes. I mean, what a world I live in all jokes aside though, man, how have you been? Because dude, dolphins football, it's almost over for that long period of time where we just want to, you know, sit here and cry until it comes back. As weird as it's going to sound, and I'm going to sound like a broken record, 
I'm actually starting to get excited for the season. I know people are jazzed up when, you know, free agency comes, but, you know, I always look at that calendar and, you know, you see February and you see that it's such a long way away. But, man, we're, we're two months away from, like, them being out there every day. And that, that just has me really jazzed up. And today, Josh, we're going to talk about some more guys winning the red jersey. We're going to talk about my favorite tight end, your favorite tight end, everybody's favorite tight end, and Mike Kosicki. But first, but first, the Dolphins signed another player. Um, this guy, he sounds like his name is straight out of Madden, and I'm sure you know more about him than I do. So, Josh, the Dolphins signed linebacker Porter Gustin. Why don't you tell me about him? Yeah, I wish I did watch more film. I know CK Parrot of three yards per carry. He threw out a highlight video. Yeah, yeah, they loved that guy for a long time. But I had to laugh, man, because, you know, some of the quality of my videos always look pretty shitty. CK's look just as bad. And people were like, how old is this dude? This thing looks like it was filmed in 1990. (laughs) So um, if you watch that video, you know, he's disengaged and look like a bully. So I have no issue with this. He is 25 years old, signed with the Cleveland Browns in 2019 as an undrafted free agent, spent the entire season on the practice squad, and then appeared in 26 games for the Browns. He started four of those. Um, but dude, they they dropped uh, defensive back Javarius Davis, defensive end Deshaun Hall, and they brought this guy in. So again, low risk, high reward. But um, he does a lot of those things. And I threw out his mock draftable. I mean, he was compared. You know, if you compare his you know combine and some of those numbers to some of this year's top draft pick, I mean, he's compared to Tavon Bryan and Kavion Thibodeau and some of those guys. So um, I'm gonna just sit back and enjoy you know seeing some of the media that they push out there from that from the Miami Dolphins social media page. But um, not that flashy signing that some Dolphin fans might be expecting. Any thoughts from you, Jake? Yeah, so he appeared in 26 games for the Browns. And um, what really sticks out to me, man, is you said he's 25 years old. The Dolphins just drafted two guys that are 25 years old, right? And this guy's, you know, been around the NFL since 2019. So to me, you know, we, we talk about the acorns, right? The, you know, the low risk, high reward guys. I mean, Preston Williams is been the example for years, right? Uh, I mean, Cameron Wake is like the ideal acorn that turned into the biggest tree of all time that can somehow sack people. But to me, I look at a signing like this, and I'm not going to say that Gustin will even ever play a snap for the Dolphins. But the vision I think I see with a 25 year old, I think you know, you understand a ceiling. And hey, breaking news is the NFL players get injured. I think whether you look at those two seventh round picks or you look at this type of move, it seems like the Dolphins are trying to just to get that depth right. They're trying to get those guys who are going to be at the bottom of the roster. And that's okay. Hey, you're still in the NFL. You're still an incredible athlete. Uh, but in case, you know, there's an injury and someone can't play for a couple of weeks, I mean, we saw what happened, you know, when Xavier Howard and Byron Jones were out, the Dolphins did not have that deep depth at cornerback. I think this is Chris Greer trying to shore up those loose ends where, hey, if we get, you know, bit by the injury bug at one specific position for a couple of weeks, we have guys that at least the floor is they're not going to get torched on every play. You know, there aren't going to be opposing offenses that pick on them every single play. You know, Jimmy Wilson. Yeah, Jimmy Wilson, right? That I, the old slot cornerback. Yes, Jimmy Wilson. Burnt toast. The perfect exa- yeah, the perfect example of the guy who Tom Brady is going to look at him before every snap and he's just going to get picked on over and over. I think the Dolphins with a move like this is try- are just trying to find those guys to like establish that nice foundation of let's not get toasted on every single play. Yeah, and I don't want to say he's going to be the next Zach Sealer. You know, he plays different positions. But, I mean, it kind of reminds me of when the Dolphins picked him up off waivers. You know, this was a guy that no one really knew a lot about. And now we're sitting here talking about him being, you know, one of the most underrated players in football and how important he is to this rotation up front. So, um, the Dolphins, they saw enough out of Javarius Davis. I think they waived him, so I don't know how it works here. But Deshaun Hall, I mean, I feel like they've seen enough of them throughout practice that they felt good enough that they saw Augustin and said, you know what, let's go out there and get him. And I, I really wish his name – I didn't really look it up, but I really wish it was pronounced like Gustan, like the back. 
bad guy from uh, Beauty and the Beast. Is. Yeah, let's just call him Guston. Guston, yeah. So, uh, dude, I'm intrigued by this signing. But again, I don't think Dolphin fans should run out there and buy a Porter Guston jersey quite yet. And Josh, from going from examining the bottom of the roster to the top of the roster, um, Tyree Kill, Raekwon Davis, and now River Crawcraft have all won the Orange MVP P jerseys for the Miami Dolphins. So, Josh, I think, you know, Raekwon Davis having a big day, no surprise. Hey, breaking news, Tyree Kill is pretty good. But River Crawcraft, this was a guy that, you know, we, we joke about. We, we understand the connections he has with Mike McDaniel. Uh, but did we expect him to kind of stand out, especially in a practice this early? I didn't. And I think, you know, a lot of us thought he was kind of going to be that special teams ace. And it sounds like this was because, you know, Tyree Kill, Mike Kosicki, some of those other veterans sat out practice. So it allowed River Crawcraft to go out there. And um, I see the nickname getting thrown around, Masterclass River Crawcraft. So whatever we want to call him, dude, I definitely did not expect to see him come out in that orange jersey, but I'm here for it. I mean, he has familiarity with the system. I think we've heard, you know, how much, you know, these different players that have familiarity in the system are also coaches on the field and trying to, you know, relay this system to some of these younger players. So I'm all for this, man, but I do have to ask, you know, it, the way they bounce around, it almost seems like maybe it's a little bit strategic and, you know, they might be trying to boost up some of these players who are, again, like we mentioned, Jalen Phillips, Tuatamalo, the list went on and on, all these young players who we're expecting big years from. And without them, you know, the Dolphins aren't going to have success, but dude, River Crawcraft, that's crazy to me. The question I have, Jake, is we had Raekwon Davis, Christian Wilkins, Zach Sealer, is it soon going to be Adam Butler's turn? Dude, this is such a great point, and I think it just magnifies, like, we talk about the secondary for the Dolphins. I mean, I've listened to so many podcasts recently that, you know, timeless. It's, it's you know, Byron Jones, Xavier Howard, they know they're good. But then Javon Holland being one of the best safeties in the league last year, I think his PFF grade was around 90, and, and everyone talks about how great that Miami secondary is. Dude, this defensive line is going to be stacked. If you're telling me Adam Butler is going to get an orange jersey, I mean, there's no stop in this unit. And then you just have to wonder, how are teams going to pass on this defense? You know, you got them clamped down in the secondary, and then you got the defensive line, you know, rearing their ears back and just going after the quarterback. So, again, it should be exciting, but I'm still going to sit here and hold out hope that, you know, we're not going to see that drop off from, you know, going from Brian Flores to Josh Boyer. Um, Jake, I have to talk about this because I was just dying <laughs> laughing, and I still – this has been like three or four days now. I still don't know if being 10 Matt Moores – is a good thing, but I just saw Bleacher Report. Uh, they had an image, uh, they put out a graphic a little bit ago. Uh, here's the exact quote uh, I just want people to understand I went for 150 with Matt Moore as my quarterback. If you don't remember that game versus Minnesota, 150 and one touchdown with Matt Moore as my quarterback. And Tua is 10 times Matt Moore. I love Matt Moore, but Tua is 10 Matt Moores. That came from Tyreek Hill on his podcast. Dude, I was dying. I mean, we all love Matt Moore. I mean, we. Was he not the last quarterback to play in a playoff game for us? I mean, we we all love we all love Matt Moore, but damn, dude, is ten is being ten Matt Moore is a good thing? Um, but he does have a point, right? If he can catch 150 yards and a touchdown with Matt Moore, I mean, uh, we shouldn't be panicking. I, I don't know, man. Tell, tell me what it means because it's crazy. I'm not a math guy, but but I don't I, I don't know how you should feel about being ten Matt Moore. That's a that's an interesting situation to be in. But I I think the point is, is pretty obvious here that, hey, Tyreek Hill, he had Alex Smith as a quarterback. He had Matt Moore as a quarterback, and he was fine. I think one of the most interesting developments of this offseason, Josh, is the movement of these number one wide receivers, whether it's Tyreek Hill, whether it's Devontae Adams, and whether uh, A.J. Brown. We're going to see the chicken and the egg. I mean, we saw Ryan Tannehill absolutely lift off with A.J. Brown. Uh, we saw, hey, Patrick Mahomes was pretty good throwing to Tyree Kill. So I'm just curious to see this chicken and the egg play out of, hey, 
did these wide receivers make life so much better for these quarterbacks? And, you know, it just kind of lifted every boat in the ocean or did the quarterbacks really help make these guys? And this is Tyree kill trying to say, hold on a second. Anybody, it doesn't matter who I'll be Jimmy Butler with my practice squad. I'll come out here and torch dudes. I'm just that good. Yeah. And the, the one that you left out was Josh Allen. Once you got Stefan Diggs, I mean, that dude has just been good what point, top yeah. three quarterback at this point. I mean, again, we're not saying Tua can throw the ball like Josh Allen. Everyone just pumped the brakes there. But uh, I think we can all admit that getting Tyreek Hill in this offense with Jalen Wall and some of these other pieces in place. I mean, you can see what he's saying, man, the sky is truly the limit. And I just hope that the dolphins exceed expectations and, you know, they can just quiet all those naysayers because that's what Tyree kills doing here. And he doesn't have to even be prompted anymore. I mean, he knows what everyone continues to say about two a time alone. He's coming to bat for him. So um, Tim Matt Moore's, I don't care what he is. If he can go out there and win a playoff game and, and do the things that we expect the dolphins to do this year, I think we'll all be happy with that. How have you felt about Tyree kills leadership since he came to Miami? I mean, we had a stat for the last couple of years, Josh, not us specifically, but the dolphins where they've been one of the youngest teams in the league. And I mean, in Kansas city, I mean, Tyree kill was awesome. Nobody's doubting that, but I don't know if I really viewed him as a leader. And now in Miami, Obviously, you get that big contract, but I mean, he's seemed very well spoken since he got here. Yeah, and maybe, you know, I ignorantly didn't know, you know, the true type of person Tyreek Hill was. I mean, we won't even get into the off the field stuff, right? That's not, we're not even going to touch on that. But I mean, based on the locker room and what he means now to some of these younger players, it just seems like, again, that leadership, like you mentioned, is something that I truly didn't know the Dolphins were going to get when they signed him. You mentioned the wide receiver contracts, Jake. I just want to touch on it. All these players are getting crazy money. I mean, we were all bickering over Tyreek Hill getting the highest guaranteed, you know, dollar amount by a wide receiver and what Cooper cup just surpassed that. So, mm-hmm. you know, in a couple of weeks, this Tyree kill deal, no, I'm just kidding. This Tyree kill deal <laughs> is massive, but um, dude, I'm excited. But Josh, that's, that's such a great point. Like the idea of, Hey, making someone the highest paid in the league. Does it? Yes. It means something, but in terms of it, absolutely decimating your cap, it means nothing because you wait two days. I mean, there's a saying up here in, in Massachusetts, Josh, if you don't like the weather, just wait 10 minutes and it's going to be completely different. It's kind of the same way with these contracts, wait 10 minutes and somebody else is going to, you know, reach that limit and go over it. And I think Josh, that's a great, great segue to for us to talk about Mike Gusecki here because he's going into a brand new system. We saw what he was with Adam Gase. We saw him really blossom with Ryan Fitzpatrick and kind of sustain himself as this, you know, jump ball type tight end. And all of a sudden we're getting into this zone where he's playing under a tag, where he's signed as one of the top five tight ends. How do we see him really developing? I think this is going to be one of the most interesting players we see develop in this Miami Dolphins offense. We know what Tyree Kill is. We know what Jalen Waddle is. I don't think we need the stats to tell us that. But where exactly is that ceiling and where exactly is the floor for Mike Kosicki, especially in an offense, especially with players? You know, we saw Tyree Kill. Hey, Travis Kelsey got open quite a bit. We saw San Francisco. Hey, that Greg Kittle guy's pretty good. So, so Josh, give me that first thought, and we're going to kind of start to rip this apart, peel back the layers. Yo, I actually pulled up the contracts because I think the whole reason you're, you know, prompted by this was because the Cleveland Browns have just agreed to a terms on a new four-year deal with David Njoku, making mm-hmm. $56.75 million, $28 million guaranteed. I'm looking at Jake. That makes Dalton Schultz and Mike Kosicki, they are tied for now, top seven money at $10.931 million. And if you look, Jake, the Patriots have two tight ends ahead of him that they're paying more than Mike Gesicki. But you're asking me how I think he's going to fit in the system. And you want to look at George Kittle and you want to say, you know, that's how he's going to come in. And, you know, we're going to see them utilize him similar. I don't think that's going to be the case. I mean, we're going to sit here and see Hunter Long's jump into some of those snap counts. 
Adam Shaheen, Durham Smith. I don't know. But the thing that stood out most to me, Jake, and I kind of threw it to you in a DM was Albert Breer in his Monday morning quarterback said the Dolphins have had Mike Kosicki watch tape of George Kittle as a blocker over the last couple of months, showing how far Kittle came from his, from his first year to now in that area and showing how much of a difference and what teams could do to him as a receiver. And he's a willing pupil. So, I mean, you're asking Mike Kosicki to watch film on George Kittle, become a better blocker, learn this system. I mean, could, could he possibly excel and become even better than what we've become accustomed to? I mean, you have run down here, 17 games, only averaged 6.5 targets last year, only double digits twice. I mean, is it not possible that we see Mike Isicki have the best season of his career in 2022? Josh, I think the best question about that is, hey, you know, everyone's saying he needs to block. Well, if he's blocking, then how are you going to throw him the football if he's blocking? Josh, have you ever seen the movie Wet Hot American Summer? I don't know that I have. And if I have, I definitely forgot. SMH. You got to go watch it. It's I probably the goofiest, have, but I forgot. silliest movie. You'll recognize so many um, characters. But there's a point that this one character, his name's Coop, is really broken up about a girl. And he's getting this talk from the, the cafe manager who has just the most wisdom in the world. The mess hall guy, I should say. I mean, it's no cafe. This is a, you know, a summer camp that they're all hanging out at. But But what he says is, it's about the girl, but it's not. And that sounds really stupid at first. But if you translate that for Mike Gusecki here, it's about the run blocking, but it's not. All we need to happen here is not for him to become even an average run blocker. If he can get some film where he has three, four, five decent blocks, he's not going to be blocking anymore because everyone's going to be expecting him to block. And all of a sudden, you know, you get that split second where you have linebackers and you have corners guessing and that's all he needs to break open. So Josh, I think that's kind of the most interesting part about all this because we're so focused on him being a run blocker, but I don't think he's really going to be a run blocker, even if he gets better at it. Yeah. Because like you mentioned, I mean, they got other guys on the team that can do that, right? Smice better at blocking. Shaheen's probably better at blocking. Hunter Long is probably better at blocking. I think Again, we look at Mike Kosicki, and I said, is he going to have the best season of his career? Last year, he caught 73 receptions for 780 yards and two touchdowns. So, I mean, the two touchdowns I could see going up, but 73 receptions, I mean, we talked about in the last podcast, man. There are so many mouths to feed now with Tyreek Hill. Jalen Waddle. I mean, it's possible that that number goes down 780 yards. I mean, I just don't know if he can replicate that type of season, but I don't think the Dolphins truly need him to. The most fascinating thing to me, Jake, is the Dolphins are paying him, what, $11 million? This dude is basically a slot wide receiver and they're almost cheating the system, you know, franchise tagging him for that tight end value. I have it written down here from field Yates. He had Mike Kosicki, uh, the lineman of the snaps in 2021 played in the backfield 24 times, the slot 402 out wide 218 and that tight end 140. So again, I think Mike Kosicki is more of a glorified slot ride receiver and how he is going to be used in this offense. You know, when we talked about last year, last week, you got Jalen Wild, Tyree Kill, Cedric Wilson, all of those guys are also, you know, can, can, can be considered slot wide receivers. So I have no idea how, you know, Mike, Mike McDaniel and this offensive coaching staff is dreaming things up. But I think, you know, when you got Tyree Kill, Jalen Wild, you got all those other guys, Mike Kosicki is going to see a lot of one-on-one matchups and it's going to be game over for that defense. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical.
When you talk about his positioning, Josh, how do you feel about where he's going to line up this year? I mean, you said it, 402 snaps in the slot, 218 out wide, 140 at tight end, and 24 in the backfield. Man, I knew he did a couple, but I mean, 24, that's that's a lot. Boy, that kind of caught me off guard. That's more than one a game. Do you see slot being like having nearly 200 snaps more than, than any other, you know, uh, alignment spot next year? Or do you see him really pulling back it and kind of becoming that, you know, tight end where you'll see maybe 300 in the slot, 300 in out wide and maybe 200 at tight end. Do you see those numbers diversifying a little bit? Yeah. I mean, we're sitting here guessing, right? I mean, I, I wish so bad that we could sit here and be at practice and, you know, have some Intel and be able to share that with you, but, but we don't, man. I think you're right though. I think we'll see him playing the traditional tight end role more. I mean, we see it with uh, George Kittle in San Francisco. I mean, that's probably how they're going to try to use him. But again, he can't block. He doesn't do the exact same thing. So it's anyone's guess, but I definitely don't think we're going to see him in a slot 402 times when you got Cedric Wilson, who's a slot maven, some of those other guys. And that backfield, man, I'd love to look that up and see, you know, what exactly the Dolphins were doing there. I mean, sure, maybe they just motioned him out, you know, to the tight end spot or into the slot, but um, that's definitely interesting for sure. Over the last two years, Mike Gesicki's tied with Mark Andrews for the most contested catches in the NFL. And Josh, I, I think what's going to be interesting is, you can't bank on those contested catches. There were so many times last year where the team was in third and long, and I kind of just felt doomed, right? And it has nothing to do with arm strength. It just was, you're going to throw it to him or you're going to throw it to Devontae Parker. Or, I mean, Jalen Waddle was still trying to find his own, especially in those deeper routes. I'm interested to see, as that number goes down, how they get him open. You know, I think with him lining up as a tight end, with him being able to block maybe 20% of the time, Josh, that's all it's going to take, even just out there and going through the motions. I wonder if that contested catch number is going to go down, not because he can't do it, but that's just such a unreliable way to run your offense. I mean, just to say that someone can do it doesn't mean they should. I mean, those 50-50 balls are great, and he's a monster at doing that, but I'm just not entirely sure you want to rely on that as often as they did a year ago. No, not at all. And you hope that a lot of that, you know, is to his understanding of the game. You know, maybe he doesn't force those balls into Mike Kosicki. Or, or I truly don't. I remember that throw that he made. Was it Kansas City his rookie year? He threw it in like triple coverage and somehow yep. Mike Kosicki came down with that damn thing. I mean, that's what I'm thinking about contested catches. I mean, that thing went through like three DB's hands like it was Madden and somehow Kosicki caught a touchdown. I'm looking at stats, man. He had 20 less receptions in 2020, but 703 yards, which was only 77 yards shy of last season. Six touchdowns. That was his best year. And we all know who was at quarterback that season. So I, I hope that we can see him lift off in this offense, Jake. But I just don't know if we will see those same. I like I can see him having 700 yards receiving and, you know, four or five touchdowns. But I just feel like, you know, they are going to start to I think they might end up eventually pushing Mike Kosicki out of the building and, you know, relying on Hunter Long, Adam Shaheen and Durham Smythe as the future tight ends. Because, again, I think they might do a little bit of that traditional stuff more. But Damn, dude, I would hate to see Mike Kosicki leave. I mean, we talked about it come leading up to the podcast this offseason, you know, before the Dolphins franchise tagged him, just how bad that would be to see him catching balls from Herbert or something else. So, Jake, I guess the question I have before he even goes out there and does anything before, uh, have we even seen him in the orange jersey yet? He isn't even wearing an orange so. Oh, that, that might say a lot. Maybe we shouldn't be getting this new deal yet. So, Jake, would you re-sign Mike Kosicki? You know, again... We're looking at the contracts here. I'll pull them up. George Kittle's making $15 million a year. Travis Kelsey, 14.3. Dallas Goddard, 14.2. And Mark Andrews, 14. And then again, David Njoku just got that 13.687 yearly average. So do you think the Dolphins would pay him? Because at this point, he's making more than David Njoku if he gets paid, right? Yeah, and I, Josh, I, I'm all for it. I think they should have. I mean, keeping your homegrown talent is so important. And 
I think there's a really interesting development that nobody's talking about. And we, we think about the fact that Chris Greer has escaped every single ax that has gone through the Miami Dolphins way. Uh, why do you keep this GM around? Why do you keep this, uh, you know, constant here when you're going through all these coaches? We saw what happened with Xavier and Howard, right? They were like, they, they were both playing hardball. Then it was, all right, we're going to give you this bonus, but we're going to come back and we're going to talk about this next year. And this year, Josh, we see, you know, Dalton Schultz holding out. We see David Njoku getting his new deal. I'm interested to know that or see that what Mike Kosicki's mindset is on this. You know, he's hasn't complained once about, you know, playing under that franchise tag. Uh, no complaining, no gripes. I mean, we see videos that the Dolphins are posting. I mean, they're, they're making him a PR star. He's out there, you know, playing golf with Durham Smythe and, and making some funny videos. So, so I think, Josh, I see a path where they're going to resign him. And I think I see a way, correct me if I'm wrong, it's going to kind of be like Xavier Howard. I wonder if just having Chris Greer around and just establishing this culture of we're paying our own, we're paying our own guys. Just two years after, you know, Kyle Van Noy is saying this franchise did them dirty. Does leaving Chris Greer around help kind of smooth over these, hey, we're going to get you years, don't worry. Especially, you know, Josh, more and more every year we're seeing guys sit out wanting their contract. I mean, Debo, Samuel, does having that guy in place who has stuck to his word, specifically with a superstar like Xavier Howard, does that help, you know, make this possible? It might, and I really wish I could pull up the quote because I don't know if you remember, Jake, but at one point, you know, he was kind of asked about the franchise tag, if he thinks he should be a wide receiver, this and that. And he basically said, I'm going to leave that up to my agent. I'm not going to hold out. I'm going to be a participant. So uh, you wonder if maybe him and Chris Green, you know, him being so willing and open to just coming and playing under this franchise tag, which again, I think the franchise tag is what, 11 million. I mean, that's pretty damn good. But um, when you're seeing those guys, your peers making 14 million or whatever annually, you know, you might be a little bitter, but I think Mike is is going to go out there. He's going to grind his teeth. He's going to put in the work and uh, hopefully it eventually pays off. I mean, I think that's basically what he said in his, uh, in the presser that he had was, you know, I'm going to go out there and work and eventually I'm going to get what I'm deserved. So hopefully it's in Miami. Hopefully it's with this team because I think there's a place for him. And again, I don't know where I hope it's more traditional tight end role because we're sitting here, man, you can only have so many players in the slot, but Mike is is a, uh, can I say superstar? I mean, he's borderline, right? I mean, I feel like he's, if Don right. Schultz is a superstar, I feel like I can call him Mike Kosicki a superstar. No, the aqua and orange glasses are coming out. I mean, if this was two years ago, Hall it's of Fame. he's going to the hall of fame is what I was saying. Hall of fame ring of honor. I mean, retired the Jersey now, but it's just tough after two touchdowns and, and you know, you're kind of can yell like that's box score watching or whatever <laughs> it may be. Yeah. But, but I mean, it's just a tough scenario. And I think you, you can't really pay someone that, you know, with a, top tier bunny, but I mean, this is the perfect opportunity for him to come in. I think the red zone offense is going to be so much fun to watch this year, Josh, where he can really make a name for himself. And I think the most interesting point that we have brought up is that we griped. I mean, a lot of people griped like Tua just needs to throw up the YOLO balls to Devante Parker and, and Mike Gasicki. And now we've completely 180 wondering, hey, let's try to actually get these guys open so he doesn't have to throw into triple coverage. It's so funny how we can kind of walk ourselves in circles. Uh, but that I guess that's what happens when you're talking about football in June, right? Exactly. And I think that's what, you know, 
gets you a little bit excited about this offense. I mean, you you heard Trent Sherfield was like wide open on a play the other day, and they were saying how he looked like he was, you know, he was completely wide open, bust to play, but they just schemed him open. And I think that's what Mike McDaniel's offense is going to do. It's going to create different, uh, it's going to confuse the defense. And it's going to allow some of these guys to just run streaking wide open down the field. I, I was going to joke, Jake, do you think uh, Tua Tungavaloa avoided uh, throwing Mike Kosicki those balls in the red zone so his, he didn't have those touchdown numbers so that he could uh, pay him less? <laughs> yeah, it's they could pay him less and didn't have to watch him leave or something like that. I'm just messing around. But, Jake, before we wrap this up, man, I got to ask you, and it's kind of floating around today, all anybody's talking about, but I guess Tom Brady was asked at his presser about, you know, the Miami Dolphins. Was there interest, you know, everything we've heard, I guess, rumor-wise? And he did say, you know, I've talked to several teams about opportunities, didn't really say to play quarterback. I mean, to me, it seemed like he was talking about maybe an ownership role with the Dolphins. But what were your thoughts on that? Because everyone's, you know – going crazy, crazy spin zone. Dolphins have no trust in Tua. They tried to replace him, you know, with Deshaun Watson, now with Tom Brady, this, that, and the other thing. To me, man, it just seemed like Tom Brady was doing his due diligence and, you know, again, was looking for that ownership role. What were your thoughts? So there's something important to keep in mind here that the Dolphins might and and still might be uh, interested in improving the position, but there was a quote from Tom Brady that that team picked that MFR over me. I mean, I think we kind of figured out now that that was talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick, right? So, I mean, that sounds like Tom Brady was ready to come to Miami then. So I think that's important to keep in mind. And also the Dolphins could have traded for Deshaun Watson. I mean, they did not fail in that situation. They decided, they said, no, we're not going to do this. Uh, Even though Houston was open to trading him the entire time. So I think those two things are very important to keep in mind. Whatever conversation we want to have about Tua, Tom Brady wanted to, Let's, for the sake of this argument, that MF or comment talking was talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick. That screams he was ready to come to Miami. I think this is a situation, Josh, where they do kind of want to hold out hope. Like, Tua's our guy. We drafted him fifth overall, and then we'll wait and see. I think this is kind of it for him. You see those draft picks. You see Brady about to be a free agent. I just have a hard time thinking that the Dolphins, quote-unquote, failed in these situations. I think they were just kind of doing their due diligence. Hey, what happens if we go this route? You know, what are the dominoes? Uh, could we even trade to if we were to get Tom Brady? Maybe the value isn't there, yada, yada, yada. I just think there's a lot more that goes into this than the, hey, you know, it, it didn't work out type of thing. Yeah, we're not even going to talk about the Deshaun Watts situation, but the Dolphins Garbage. dodged a crazy bullet. God, I mean, I, what, a bad, what a gets terrible so, person. Yeah, terrible, terrible person. And it just it pains me a little bit that the Dolphins at one point, you know, were interested and we were sitting here deciding on whether or not we'd still be fans of the team. And I just look at it in hindsight, and there's no way in hell I could see past that stuff. But Jake, mm-hmm. I think you're right with Tom Brady, man. I mean, there's no reason to honestly trade for him, right? I mean, he's going to be a free agent after this year. If the Dolphins don't believe in two after this season and they want to go out there and make that splash, I mean, maybe Tom Brady eventually comes to Miami. And I guess I'll leave it at that, Jake. I've said for so long that I believe Dan Marino is the GOAT, greatest of all time. I truly mean that. But if, and I'm only going to say if, Tom Brady were to possibly come to the Miami Dolphins and do something that I have only dreamed of my entire life, I might get like a goat on my arm with his head on it or some shit. I don't know what it is, but if Tom Brady can win a Super Bowl for the Miami Dolphins, however it happens, I would completely change my mind and um, he, he would be the goat from there on. I, I'm sorry I had to say that. Would I be too much of a politician if if this just this scenario, just the scenario Tom Brady comes to Miami and he wins a Super Bowl, could we call Tom Brady the GOAT, but still call Dan Marino the best quarterback in Dolphins history? Or is okay. that just... No, yeah, we could do that. We'll do that I think, for sure. I think yeah. that's, I think that's fair. I, I know people are yelling at us right now, but I, I think that's... for to, to get a Super Bowl, I will settle on that. 
Yeah. And I mean, I've been sitting here saying it every time I post a goat picture, you know, everyone's oh, Tom Brady's a goat, this and that Tom Brady's not to go, not in my mind, the greatest quarterback, you know, from a physical standpoint is Dan Marino, what he could do with his arm, his accuracy, all that stuff. But I would, um, you know, unless Tom I would Brady bite my, Super Bowl in unless Miami. Tom Brady wins Super Bowl in Miami, <laughs> then I will, um, you know, then they might be on the same tier with one another and um, it'll be the Spider-Man meme. And that's the only thing that will ever make me change my opinion on Tom Brady. I mean, the 12s already retired. The 13s already retired. I'd love to. I'd love to see what number one. Yeah, now everyone's oh, getting pissed, but you this you give true. him that 12. You you yeah. We we're spiraling out of control. We're sorry, guys. Resign resign Mike Kosicki. Uh, get Adam Butler that orange jersey, and uh, everybody enjoy this long break because Miami Dolphins football is going to be out of our life for a couple of weeks. But we won't. We will be back shortly with another episode of Finside. Radio. I can't tell you exactly what day that is, but the best way to know when that's coming is to hit that subscribe button, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you're listening to your podcast. And two, if you have a moment, if you want to leave us a review, that stuff helps people find the show and it helps us. I mean, Josh, I can't say how often, you know, I get a DM just, hey, I love the show or someone, dude, Massachusetts, Pittsfield, Massachusetts, people walk up to me and said, I listen to your podcast. I, I still hear from you twice a week, even though you no longer work at the Berkshire Eagle. That stuff is Amazing. so cool. So <laughs> if you do have a couple extra minutes uh, to leave a review, that stuff helps us out so much. We thank you so much. And two, if you want those goat pictures, those goat gifts from Joshua Houts, be sure to follow at H-O-U-T-Z, that's Houts. I throw up a couple questions down. Then you can follow me at jmetal94. Thank you guys so, so much for joining us. I hope everyone's having a wonderful day. And above all else, fins up. Fins up. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, cause we're the Miami Dolphins. Cause we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Everybody, Miami Dolphins, Miami